Welcome to My Two Cents with Keith Beggs from Steadfast Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we show high-level executives and business owners why comprehensive financial planning and executive bonus structures don't have to be too good to be true. Keith draws on his experience in realistic financial planning, and expert guests share his two cents about academically-based financial planning that you have to hear to believe. Now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Keith Beggs, the host of the My Two Cents podcast and the founder and CEO of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. We've got a great, pertinent, and timely topic today. You cannot turn on the news anymore without hearing of all the supply chain problems we are facing as a country and really globally. It's impacting everything from groceries to cars to Christmas. We thought it'd be great to talk to people who live and breathe supply chains daily. And so today we have Jay Calavan, the owner of Trucks for You, and Emily Andrew, the Senior Director of Sales, Marketing, and Driver Recruitment for Trucks for You on, on the call with us today. Real quickly, Trucks for You is an over-the-road freight hauler with over 300 trucks and 1,200 trailers. Their trucks cover over 2.5 million miles per month, and they have annual revenue of over $60 million. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that 2.5 million miles per month number. So uh, Jay, Emily, thank you guys for jumping on here. How are you guys doing this morning? Let's kind of jump in here. Like I said, we turn on the news. I Googled supply chain issues this morning. There was like 1.6 trillion articles were links that popped up. So this is just something that's everywhere right now. When you hear supply chain issues were supply chain problems, what, what does that mean to you guys as a truck or freight company? Well, you know, the, this pandemic has been so herky-jerky over the past two years now. And I mean, we started with not knowing whether there was going to be even a need for supply chain. We shut things down. We opened back up. We didn't have workers. We spent a year trying to figure out how to get enough truck drivers to cover the demand. I mean, if you remember back 18 months ago, there was a shortage of toilet paper and every other necessity that you possibly could imagine. And we don't know exactly when this this pandemic goes into the endemic. I'm using terms that I, I follow on uh, Fox News and CNBC. But <laughs> what we've run into now is we're running into a, a component shortage. When Emily's going to talk a, bit, a little bit further about the driver recruiting piece on how difficult that's been for us, the labor shortages that everybody's hearing everything about. But we're in a stage right now where we cannot physically get parts for our current trucks and trailers or any of our new trucks and trailers that we typically buy uh, on an annual basis. So the supply chain, it's weird how this works, but the supply chain problems are affecting the supply chain because we can't even get our trucks on the road or keep them on the road right now due to the problems that we're seeing all over the country. Right. It's, it's almost like a chicken and egg kind of issue here. We can't get the supply chain up because the supply chain's down and can't get the parts to the supply chain. Great analogy. Yeah. Okay, so you know when did this start? I see articles that say it started at the beginning of this year. I could see it started in June. It started from the beginning. But when did you guys start really feeling that this was going to be a long-term issue? Or, or do you guys feel like this is going to be a long-term issue? I do feel like it's a long-term issue. I mean, a few years is a long time to me for us to feel like things aren't normal, so to speak. I was at the store yesterday and noticed how empty some of the aisles still are. 
And that is due to the challenges that Jay just mentioned. So not only are we trying to keep stocks like we were and live like we did prior to a shutdown and a pandemic, but we're still trying to keep up with the demands of day-to-day life. So recently someone mentioned to me that auto manufacturing is so many cars behind that it could be three years before we can manufacture the components, obtain the labor, and actually produce the products and get them to the end user. So we have to keep up with the current need and we have to catch up from the demand that was missed there. So I see it as a long-term situation. And do you see this more, as Jay mentioned, maybe on the part side where like tangible physical parts or on the people side in terms of tangible physical people to do the work? Is it a 50-50 mix there? Or do you get, do you feel like it's leaning more one way or the other? You know, it might be different and in our customers might have a different answer, but I think for us, it's a little bit of a roller coaster. So when COVID first hit, it felt like a people problem. It felt like a labor issue. We couldn't haul freight fast enough. You know, we couldn't keep toilet paper on the shelf. Once we got our arms around that, it we started seeing the effects of everyone's labor shortages for several months, nearly a year. So it's definitely, I believe, started as a people issue and has evolved into a you know, a component issue, as you see. Let me jump in here, Keith, because the the interesting thing about this is the way that, that society has changed in two years. Uh, I mean, Amazon's been around for a while. I don't know how long. I, I didn't do my research on that. But everybody had an Amazon Prime account prior to this pandemic. But think about what happened in March of 2020. We stopped going to the stores. We stopped. I mean, everything was ordered online. This was going to happen. Every, I mean, this this whole current situation, the retail, the the brick and mortar store that you walk in and you go buy something was changing. But man, did it take off when this pandemic hit? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, ten years ago, could you imagine that you were going to be buying your toilet paper online and having it delivered to your front door? It's just taken more demand. For us to be able to to complete that supply chain, whereas used to we sent it to a DC, the DC sent it to the store, and then you went to the store and bought it, picked it up, and took it to your house. We've added an extra step into that, and it's added more labor constraints and, frankly, more equipment need for that simple product that we all buy every day. So this was a path we were. If I'm hearing you, Roger, this is a path we were on, but it got exponentially move forward, right? Because of COVID. So everyone was kind of moving this way. And I think you're saying that there was, you guys could foresee this kind of happening where the world was going, but it kind of got crammed into a 12 month time period instead of a 10 to 12 year time period, maybe. Exactly what I'm saying. So governmentally, right? We hear things like Biden saying, okay, we're going to open the ports up for this now where we might let drivers drive longer. I don't know if there's different things, but are there certain things that are happening governmentally, not specific Republican, Democrat, anything like that, but just things that are happening where that you guys have asked for that you think will help ease some of the bottleneck, where it would help uh, you guys out on your operation? You know, Emily and I talked about this yesterday, and the reality is it's not so much a government regulation that can change this. I mean, there might be a, a, a relaxing of, of the general hours of service that are in play, but here's a stat that's interesting. 
drivers, over-the-road drivers are allowed to drive 11 hours per day. They can be on duty for 14 hours per day. But the average driver only drives about six and a half hours per day. So if you did the math, and I'm no math wizard, but if you did the math and we, we increased the amount of actual driving time that the driver was able to do, we may not have a driver shortage. What we've got is we've got a, a, a problem in our networks, the shippers, the receivers. And part of this comes back to labor. Of Can you unload it fast enough? Can you load it fast enough? I mean, are we putting our equipment and our assets in the right place at the right time to, to use to use our the, the available time that we have most efficiently. I think that is going to happen, but this has been a problem that's been around for years and years and years, and we've just got to get better at it as a company and as frankly as an industry. Uh, and I'm including not just the, the trucker, I'm including the shipper, the receiver, uh, and the end user. So, so you're like, when we're driving around and I see like an Amazon warehouse just to stick with them and you see a hundred trucks in those truck bays, what I'm hearing is that those trucks are sitting there way too long. And so the driver's not driving. He's got so many hours a day and he's spending a lot of time sitting, uh, waiting to get loaded or unloaded as to getting the goods moving across the country. That's exactly right. And in so, terms of, go ahead. I'm, I'm no expert in what the change is. I mean, there obviously needs to be regulation in the trucking industry. We can't just, uh, we can't be Smokey and the Bandit and just renegade everything <laughs> and, and drive as long as you can possibly drive. There has to be a regulation. Uh, but like Emily said yesterday in a conversation that she and I had, maybe there's a way to relax the rules or give, give opportunity to regain hours that you cannot get back if you're hung up somewhere that for whatever reason, whether it be weather, truck breakdown, whatever the reason is, traffic, all of, all of those issues can really, really put a, a hindrance in, in your overall efficiency with that asset and with that driver and the labor, the labor hours that he has available to him. Right. And most of that stuff is digitally tracked now. So it would be much easier to do than when you guys were doing paper logs, what, 15, 20 years ago, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Driver recruiting is, is a very big challenge because this is not an easy job. The, the, the irregular route trucker is away from his family all the time. We've seen great improvements in what their actual take-home salaries are, but their standard of living or their life out on the road has not improved. It may have even gotten worse as this pandemic got in play. So Emily deals with them directly and the recruiting, the recruiting side, she doesn't, I'm going to answer this question for her, but I'm not sure she sees a lot of new drivers stepping into this industry because it's such a tough one to be in, a tough career path. So just at Trucks for You, you how many drivers do you guys currently have? And if you were fully staffed, is that the same number or how, much, how many more is that? You know, I was at a meeting last week and different companies were sharing an answer to that same question. I felt really good about our numbers. We have about five empty trucks in our parking lot right now. So when you have nearly 300 trucks, that's a great number. So, you know, less than 2% of our trucks are empty. It sounded like the industry standard was about 10 to 15% of your trucks 
empty is acceptable to most of the companies I was around. So we're in a good place right now here, but it's not easy. We're all definitely competing for the same labor force. And that doesn't seem to be growing. Um, During COVID, a lot of the schools closed, at least temporarily or for some time. So that reduced the new entrance into the market. So we weren't having new drivers. And there are several trucking companies that do hire and train straight out of school. So they lost their entire, you know, recruiting opportunity there when those schools were closed. That doesn't necessarily apply to us, but we need that infill of new drivers to replace the aging, retiring truck drivers that are leaving the market. I do think that COVID intensified the demand for drivers to want to be home more often. So we as a company and an industry had to make adjustments to accommodate those. We hear all the time about everybody went to work home, work from home, work from home, and the impact on, you know, real estate and cost of huge buildings and things that are sitting empty. And I think it's similar for the truck drivers. They want to be home more often. And I think that, like they said earlier, we were trending that way anyway. But with COVID and the extra stress that put on, it kind of pushed that to happen a little bit quicker. We specifically added new positions and added different types of driving positions that are more regional and local. So we could continue to hire keep our trucks filled, move our freight for our customers. We just had to do it in a more creative way to keep people closer to their house. And so there's definitely opportunity for us to help our, but it's not inexpensive and it does make costs go up. Right. So you're trying to get more dedicated routes, you might say, in in a certain geographical area where you know that you could have them home every third day or every other day or, or, you know, whatever that time frame looks like. Yes, that is definitely what we're trying to do. And it has opened the doors to a a new labor pool for us. You know, the folks that are used to working from, you know, in a metropolitan area or being home more often, those weren't candidates for us in the past and now they are. So we've definitely made some changes that have helped us. But as an industry and as consumers, I think there always will be that over the road long haul driver that's going to be needed. So we have to keep, you know, bringing new recruits and new drivers into the workforce. And, and, you know, the only time I see anything for recruiting for drivers is typically on the back of another truck, right? Where it says looking for drivers and get some mile numbers on that. I mean, is it career fairs? How do you guys, how do you guys find drivers? That's a great question. And it's similar to the way that everybody looks for a job now. It's all online. So we can recruit, we can, it's about brand awareness, first of all. So we have some competitors that are very, very large. So we want to make sure that we target the right audience that will want to work for us, that lives in the right area to meet our network needs. But it really is all online. So social media is a huge place to recruit drivers. But then drivers are also on places like Indeed and LinkedIn. They're professional truck drivers that have a very, a skill that's in high demand just as an engineer or, you know, someone with computer skills does. So it's a whole different skill set, but it really has moved to the digital world. And and Jay, this might be a question more towards you. How do you line up your customer needs versus your driver needs? I mean, like she's saying, they want to be home more. I need these more regional, but you got clients that still want uh, or customers that still need certain things done. How have the customers been in being flexible 
to kind of accommodate the drivers needs to get things to move? Or is that just a ongoing juggle? That's your job to, to figure out how to keep those balls in the air. Yeah, that's, that's a good question too, Keith. Uh, I mean, we cannot be everything to every customer. Our, we stay specifically in lanes that we are comfortable hiring in. We have assets on the ground in those places already. I use this example all the time. We do not go to the West Coast at all. I've been doing this for 17 years. We've never taken a truck any further west than Las Vegas. So when a customer comes to us and asks, hey, we need help in Ontario, California. And I have a large customer uh, that, that asks us that almost every six months. Well, why won't you go to Ontario, California? And I, I'm like, it just doesn't fit our network. So we have to have some discipline to stay in our network. And just like Emily alluded to earlier, we've got to make absolutely sure that, that we are hiring drivers in our area that make sure that we are able to get them home when they want to be home and they're comfortable understanding what our goal is in, in creating a good lifestyle for them and also paying them a fair wage. And we also know that we're going to provide better service to our customers if we stay in lanes that we're, that we're comfortable with as well. So it, it is really, really important to, to develop relationships with our shippers and our receivers to understand what TFY is, where we're going to go, and, and what's going to be expected of us. I mean, six months ago, lots of these customers were offering insane amounts of money. I mean, lots of them still are to go to places that we, we just don't have a presence in. And it was not easy to turn that down, but we wanted to stay true to what has been has what made us successful for the past 40 years. So that's the way we handle that. No, I we run into that occasionally over here. We are an academically prudent based invest prudent based investment company and you know sometimes we'll get some people that want to do crypto with us or do other things and while we could take that money underneath our net, right? And we get to charge fees, you know, but as soon as we do that, we're giving away the integrity of what we've kind of built and what's made us successful. And it's that short-term victory, but it probably costs you long-term. I mean, it sounds like you're saying the same thing. We might've made more money then, but what would it have done to our drivers? But now we're just making them do things we told them we wouldn't have them do. <laughs> and then, right. you know, are they, are they exactly. going to believe me? Are they going to believe me the next time I tell them something? Or are they going to be like, yeah. well, Jay's only as loyal as the dollar. <laughs> well, here's the, uh, here's the reality. Of, this is a kind of a wild generalization, but I believe this to be true. The professional truck driver, it's all about how much money they make per mile until it's time to go home. And then they don't care. It is our responsibility to make sure that we get them home when they need to be home. And we, we understand that as a company. So uh, there's a fine line we got to draw there. If we hire a bunch of people from Massachusetts and all of our freights in Texas, we, we're not going to be in business for very long. So we've got to make sure that we're hiring in the right places and paying a fair wage to make sure that, that we're fair to our two customers, both the shipper, the one that's paying our bills, and the driver, because ultimately that's the way we look at them. We got two customers we got to take care of. Right. Yeah, because I mean, look, there's a lot, like you said, there's a shortage of drivers. They have opportunities right now yep. to, to find work. And so if you're not treating them well, then they can definitely find something. So let me ask you this question, and maybe there's something short-term, maybe there's something long-term. But supply chain management overhaul systems or long haul systems like we're seeing, are these things going to be recognizable? Not so much for the end user, right? Who doesn't see all the behind the scenes working, but for you guys, for trucks, for you as a company, 
Are there things that you see um, maybe short-term or maybe even like in the next 10 years that, hey, we've got to be, this is going here. We've got to find a way to be here, to stay in business. Or do you think that the, the system is, might, there's just going to be a couple of tweaks, but in reality, there's not much change that can be made to the system. A good's got to go from point A to point B and a truck's the best way to do it. Another great question. And, and I, I believe that everybody knows where we're moving towards the EV structure, the, the autonomous vehicle. And there's been a lot of change over the last five years on what these vehicles are capable of doing. I mean, your own vehicle, most of the people probably listening to this call have this, I mean, have adaptive cruise control and lane departure warnings. I mean, the technology to allow for an autonomous driving truck is probably already in place. I, I, I know it's already in place. What isn't in place is the infrastructure that, that is needed to make that happen across our country. So I do believe that in the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to start seeing some autonomous trucks. I do believe there also will be a driver in those, but he may not be on, on duty for all 11 hours. I mean, if he sets it to autonomous across West Texas, he's probably okay. He probably can't do that if he's running through the, the Metroplex. So there's going to be some changes there. The one thing that will not change is the demand for for trailers and, and equipment. What I actually see happening is I see more regional DCs, Amazon warehouses are popping up all over the place where you will ship into these regional DCs and we'll have local drivers deliver in, in some radius. I mean, I don't know what that radius actually is, but I think you're going to see even more demand for an actual final mile driver. That's not our space but we will be delivering into those DCs. And that's what I see happening in the next five to 10 years. Emily, same thing or anything different that you see maybe on the recruitment side or the driver side that's going to happen? I definitely agree with Jay. I think it's going to take a lot more equipment to move a similar amount of product because we're going to have more hands touching that product, which I think will create a an even larger labor challenge. So hopefully as a technology and equipment evolves, the job also evolves. So the requirements, you know, to be a driver and the expectations of that driver also evolve. So things like hours of serve can be accommodated to attract more people to the industry. I think technology is just going to be such a huge part of this job. And it's, it seems like in the past, it's been a little bit of a slower integration to technology. But I think with almost all drivers having smartphones and so much tracking equipment on this equipment and on the vehicles that we are going to have so much data that a handful of people are going to be able to micromanage this down to a very finite process. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But there's so much information out there. It will be very interesting to see how that affects us as consumers. You know, watching our packages be delivered from 10 stops away, or you can almost see everything happening before it gets to you. So it creates lots of opportunities with all the technology. But it's going to take a lot of equipment the more we spread this process out. 
Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, I want to to thank both of you guys. I know, like I said, this is the holiday season. There's a lot of shipping going on right now, more than probably the typical time of the year. So I want to thank you guys for for jumping on here with us. Again, we have Jay Calavan. He's the owner of Trucks for You and Emily Andrew is their director of marketing and driver recruitment. Thank you guys so much for being upon the podcast and uh, for giving us a little bit behind the scenes look uh, of what we're hearing about on the news and how people in the day-to-day lives are, are working to to make these changes happen and to keep things on the road and hopefully under the tree by December 25th. Thanks for having us, Keith. We really enjoyed it. Yes. Thank you. All right. So for all out there listening, if you need to contact uh, Steadfast Wealth Strategies or myself for any reason, we'd love to visit with you, talk about your retirement or income needs. Uh, you can reach me at 832-506-9034, or you can email me direct at keith at steadfastws.com. Again, my name is Keith Beggs. I'm the founder of Steadfast Wealth Strategies and the host of the My Two Cents podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to My Two Cents with Keith Beggs. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All securities discussed are offered and provided through Steadfast Financial Planning, LLC. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and or qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This podcast is not intended to provide specific investment, financial planning, tax, or legal advice. It is intended for educational purposes only. Please consult your tax advisor, financial advisor, or legal professional for specific advice on your specific situation.